You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and other cool stuff. It's time for our quarterly listener question extravaganza, so let's get started. Uh, hello, Mignon. My name is Hal in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I am calling to suggest a segment on the expression, you know seems like everybody I talk to uses you know in every sentence. So it must be filling a grammatical function, but it's not a grammatical function I can figure out. Well, thank you uh, for listening, and I I hope you can uh, discuss this issue. Oh, Hal, you have hit upon one of my own verbal tics. When, When I'm unscripted, like when I do radio interviews, I say you know a lot if I'm not actively reminding myself to slow down and not to say it. What I love about the way you asked the question is that you didn't rant about how much it bothers you or how annoying it is. Instead, you're curious and you realize that if lots of people are saying something, there must be a reason. I mean, it must serve some purpose or people wouldn't do it, right? Well, that's the kind of thing linguists study, and they call phrases like, you know, and I mean, discourse markers. Cambridge Dictionary says we use discourse markers to connect, organize, and manage what we say or write or to express an attitude. For example, they say people sometimes use, you know, to mark that what follows is old, shared, or expected knowledge. So if I'm answering a question on the fly about the difference between initialisms and acronyms, which we covered a few weeks ago, I might say something like, so, you know, some abbreviations are pronounced as words, like NASA, and for others, we say all the letters, like FBI. In that case, I'm using, you know, you know, because I'm starting with a fact that I expect most people to recognize. But the phrase you know doesn't always serve such a direct purpose. Discourse markers often don't add meaning to a sentence. They're more for guiding the flow of a conversation. You know can also highlight part of the conversation or just show a general acknowledgement of the other person. For example, I might respond to the question by saying, you know, I wondered about that too. 
that's not something the caller could have known. I'm just subconsciously doing something there. I'm, I'm not even sure what. Maybe trying to connect with the caller or highlight that I think it's an interesting question, too. A 2014 study in the Journal of Language and Social Psychology said that people use the phrase, you know, to ask a listener to make inferences about the conversation and to confirm that a listener understands. They also found that people who scored higher on measures of conscientiousness were more likely to use discourse markers. They hypothesized that, quote, conscientious people are generally more thoughtful and aware of themselves and their surroundings. When having conversations with listeners, conscientious people use discourse markers, such as I mean and you know, to imply their desire to share or rephrase opinions to recipients, unquote. Thanks for the question, Hal. Other discourse markers include you see, right, okay, like, well, and so. And if you're still curious, you can hear more about like in episode 792 and so in episode 456. Hi, love your podcast. I discovered it about five months ago and I'm just loving it. Listen to it every night. Um, You probably covered it. Um, already, but doppelganger, where did that ever come from? Or what's the derivation of doppelganger when we have a lookalike? But where did that term come from or the name? Or I wonder why that is called doppelganger. Thank you. That's a fun question, and I haven't answered it before. It's kind of interesting because it came directly from the German word doppelganger, but it went through a little English phrase first, which is something I don't remember ever seeing before. I'm sure it's happened, but I just haven't seen it. Um, Doppelganger means literally double-goer in German, and it was a ghostly thing, an apparition of a person. The first example in the Oxford English Dictionary uses a half-English form, double-ganger, and it's from Letters on Demonology and Witchcraft by Walter Scott in 1830. It reads, quote, He may probably find it to be his own fetch or wraith or double-ganger, unquote. But then by 1851, it shows up in English in the German form again, doppelganger, which is all I've ever heard and is the far more common form in books published in English today. Doppelganger shows up occasionally, but doppelganger is at least 10 times more common. Merriam-Webster says that in German folklore, we all have a spirit double who's invisible but identical to us and that exists when we're alive, which makes it different from a ghost which appears after we're dead. Of course, today you can use doppelganger to describe one of these specters, but I think people are much more likely to use it to describe someone who just looks very much like someone else. If you saw someone who looks just like me in a restaurant, you might tell me you saw my doppelganger, and there wouldn't be anything ghostly about it. Thanks for the question. Hey, Mignon, this is DJ calling from Atlanta. I have a question about what you do with a registered trademark sign at the end of the word, uh, specifically when you make the word possessive, and then plural, and then plural possessive. So for example, the word realtor, the final R is followed by the registered trademark sign. When you make it possessive, you stick an apostrophe S in there, but where does the registered trademark land? Does it stick with the final R or does it go after the S at the end? And then the same question for the plural version of the word realtors. 
does the registered trademark stick with the R or does it follow the S at the end? And then when you make the plural realtors possessive by sticking an apostrophe after the S, same question, does the registered trademark stick with the R or go after the S apostrophe? Thought you might know the answer to this or could uh, dig up the answer and let us all know. Thanks again. Love your show. Thanks, DJ. That's a tricky one that thankfully doesn't come up very often, but I was curious too after I heard your question. Not every publication uses the trademark or registered trademark symbol at all. The Associated Press, for example, doesn't include them when they use trademarks in stories. And the Chicago Manual of Style notes that there's no legal requirement to use these symbols and recommends omitting them whenever possible. More importantly, trademark lawyers tell trademark holders not to make their trademark words plural or possessive because it weakens the trademark to use it that way. It's why you sometimes get sticklers reminding you that the toys are Lego bricks and not just Legos, and why Nabisco always refers to Oreo cookies and not just Oreos. As an aside, making trademarks verbs is actually bad too, trademark-wise. You may remember that from the episode about using the name Google as a verb. The company doesn't want you to do it for trademark reasons, even though everyone does. So I think the question of how to make a trademark possessive or plural is really a question about how to rephrase your sentence so that you can avoid making a trademark possessive or plural. Let's use your example, Realtor, which isn't just any real estate agent. It's the trademarked name for an agent who's a member of the National Association of Realtors. First, fortunately, the National Association of Realtors has trademarked both the singular and the plural version, so you can use the plural normally with the symbol right after the final S if you want to use the symbol. But second, even though I can definitely see why you'd want to talk about a realtor's open house, making realtors possessive, I think the easiest and best way to do it is to just refer to them as agents or real estate agents instead, because that's a broader but also accurate term that doesn't break the rules about not making trademarks possessive or plural. Otherwise, to stay within the trademark rules, you'd have to write something like, my clients attended the open house of Realtor Smith. And that's just clunky. But again, you also can just use the word realtor like any other word because there's no legal requirement to use the trademark symbol in general writing. Thanks for the question. Hi, Mignon. Um, I had a question, actually, or really more of a um, query. Uh, I was just wondering, when is it appropriate to use the word funnily instead of the word funny i know we hear it a lot hearing it with uh like funnily enough this happened um but i've seen it used in sentences a friend of mine said one the other day and it just sounded wrong um any clarification would be much appreciated thanks love the show Funnily is an adverb, which means you can use it to modify many parts of speech, such as verbs, as in, Squiggly is sitting funnily. Does he have chocolate stuffed in his pockets or something? Or adverbs, as in the phrase, funnily enough. But you don't use adverbs to modify nouns. That's what you use adjectives for, and funny is an adjective. So you might say, Squiggly has a funny spot on his face. I think it might be chocolate with funny, the adjective, modifying spot, the noun. 
It's a little more complicated, though, because funny can also be an adverb. It's what's called a flat adverb, not having the ly part on the end. So whereas we said squiggly is sitting funnily, you might also hear squiggly is sitting funny. The Oxford English Dictionary calls that kind of use of funny regional and colloquial. The Merriam-Webster online dictionary includes it, but dictionary.com actually doesn't, which really surprised me. To me, the adverb funny often sounds more natural than funnily. For example, to me, you're walking funny, did you hurt your foot? Sounds more natural than you're walking funnily, did you hurt your foot? Maybe I'm from one of those regions where it's more common. I was feeling so unsettled by the OED labeling the adverbial funny as colloquial and Dictionary.com not having it that I did a Twitter poll, and at the time I'm recording this, 88% of the about 800 respondents said they'd be more likely to say, you're walking funny, than you're walking funnily. But I also did the poll during the day in U.S. time, and one respondent who described himself as a Northern Irish Londoner said walking funny sounded unorthodox and American to him, which fits with the Oxford English Dictionary, which is a British dictionary, saying it's regional and colloquial. So if you're British, you might want to stick with funnily for the adverb, but I think if you're in the U.S., it's fine to use funny. And for the caller, it's certainly not wrong to use funnily as an adverb, but it may sometimes sound weird, funny, to our American ears. Finally, I have a familect story. Good morning, Jan. This is Kelly. I have a great familect story. My granddaughter, when she was learning to speak, would say chicken milk for chocolate milk. We would, she would only get chocolate milk at our local Chick-fil-A as a treat. So she would say chicken milk for chocolate milk. And for the last seven and a half years, that is what we've called chocolate milk, chicken milk. Thank you. Love your show. Thanks for this story. I laughed out loud when you said chicken milk, probably because I love chickens. We have some in our neighborhood and walk by them almost every night and make clucking sounds at them. So now I'm going to think of chicken milk every time I see them too. Thanks to everyone for the calls. I'll do another question show in a few months. So if you want to leave a voicemail, you can find the number in the show notes or subscribe to my email newsletter at quickanddirtytips.com. We include the number in every newsletter. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sams, and my editor, Adam Cecil. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. Our ad operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. And our intern is Brendan Pika, who was an axe-throwing instructor before he came to work for us. He says it was an incredibly fun job, even with the constant danger of flying sharp objects. He was actually the only person to get hit with an axe in the year that he worked there. But he says, don't worry, he's fine. He didn't get hit by the blade, but it did hurt. (laughs) Ouch. That's all. Thanks for listening. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. 
with seven drive modes. Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.